0: Welcome to the third episode of Art of Touring. Dog here, I am your host. I play in heaps of bands, I'm the lead singer of Smokestack Rhino. I moonlight with the Pass Out, I do covers gigs with the Cedar Duo and Clone the Radio, the occasional Pearl Jam tribute shows, solo gigs, duo gigs, trio gigs, weddings, acoustic shows, wherever I'm needed I will go and sing. You have 300 bucks and need someone to sing Shimmer for your girlfriend's 30th? I will be there with a... Guitar, a dodgy PA, and a smoke machine. This week on the podcast, I sat down with Delsinki. He's a singer songwriter who has released a full length album recently entitled And There Was Found No Place for Them. Uh, he has toured Australia many times over, and it was great to talk to him. But first, a word from this week's sponsor. Art of Touring is proudly brought to you this week by Exercise. Are you feeling sluggish? Been sitting on the couch for a little too long? Then get out there and perform some exercise. Go for a run, join a gym, or better yet, buy a fitness DVD and exercise in your own home. You'll feel better for it. Exercise just do it, man. All right, guys, just so you know, I've switched from SoundCloud to Anchor FM for hosting the show as they offer free unlimited hosting. So you can now listen to Art of Touring on Anchor FM and iTunes. Just go to anchor.fm backslash artoftouring. All right, let's get stuck into episode three of Art of Touring. Okay, welcome to the Art of Touring episode 3. I'm sitting in the uh, the Night Heron here on Nicholson Street in Footscray awaiting uh, the the night's proceedings with the uh, Delsinki, otherwise known as Delsinki Records, otherwise known as The Villain. Yeah. The very simple villain.
1: <laughs> the very simple villain indeed. how you going, mate? I'm good, man. How you going?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Do you good. prefer Dave or David? Well, on the podcast, I'm going by SizzDog. Dog, Yeah, it's my nickname. Yeah, sweet. So, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll respond to anything.
1: Yeah, mate, I'm a bit like that as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's get stuck into it, mate. Where did you grow up? Where are you from?
1: I'm from Hobart. In, well, just out of Hobart in, in Tasmania.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I moved to Melbourne when I was, I don't know, 18 or 19. And, uh, yeah, I've been living in Melbourne ever since, doing a little bit of, you know, touring here and there, but basically, I mean, obviously, yeah, very, very much planted here. I've had a, a child, a little, he's 20 months old, nearly two, uh, that long ago, so... Congratulations. Thanks, man. Do you have yeah. kids? I've got twins. Have you? How old are they? They're four. Wow. Oh, you're still sort of in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's full on yeah it is full on man it's full on so you just got the one so far just the one and when we had uh when we got pregnant i was like oh because my wife's mum and my mum and my dad all their parents were twins oh yeah so we were like oh it's gonna be twins for sure which it wasn't and i'm now i'm pretty wrapped it wasn't because i I don't know if i would have been able to cope
0: yeah well my dad is a twin yeah an identical twin but apparently that doesn't um, factor into it because we had fraternal twins. Right. Um, so, that yeah, apparently that doesn't have anything to do with it. But, um, yeah, still, it's, uh, it's a shock to the system when you first hear the news. But, I mean, you know, I don't know anything different as yeah. a father, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it was pretty wild. Um, so, why the why the move to Melbourne? Why, what made you move over here when you were 18, 19 years old? Music.
1: I'm, I played in a band
0: called Sourcebox in in tassie it was one of the first
1: bands i'd played in i'd played in you know a couple of bands um and we won the tassie leg of the national drug free rocker steadford wow yeah so we had dreams of grandeur and you know moving to melbourne and become a big you know popular band sure um and all four of the band members including myself we yeah we booked you know, flights and sort of tried to sort out some accommodation or whatever. And the guitar player just pulled out literally like 10 days before we were meant to leave. Oh, man. So the rest of the drummer and the myself and the bass player, we thought, you know what? Let's go. We, we're organised. Let's, let's go. Let's do so it, yeah. We'll find a guitar player, which we did. Mm. We did about three or four gigs over here as, as the band. Wasn't, you know, obviously was never quite the same. And then... um yeah, then that all fell apart.
0: What year was that? What era? That was
1: 1999. 1999. Yeah, and it was all over by 2001. So we're
0: pro- the same age. Yeah. I'm 38. Yep. 38. Mm. Oh, there you go. Um and so it was all done by the year 2000. All done. <laughs> yeah, so
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, and that was then we all sort of worked in bars and just got jobs and, you know, I joined a cover band for a little while and yep. and then started doing my own stuff again probably in 2004 or 5, I think it was. Yes. So just a couple of years off and then started a band called Gretchen Lewis.
0: Indeed, yes. Which
1: we've played with you guys a few times. Yeah. And, um, yeah then started Delsinki what was it which is now Delsinki but it was Delsinki Records yeah up until recently that I started that in 2012 yeah mm.
0: and um just going back to your upbringing a little bit um in Hobart were there any musicians in your family no none no yeah no and so was there no. like an older like friend or something that kind of got you into music and no nah, not really my no? mum was
1: a dance teacher or still is a dance teacher and she was an aerobics instructor and aerobics competitor as well wow. so i was around a lot of different music grew right up with a massive uh rogers and hammer uh rogers and hammer <laughs> hammer i've got my my slippery tongue tongue on yeah um back catalog of you know all the musicals and then you know so mum had all that stuff that she used for choreography and uh, Michael Jackson and I don't know ah. heaps of seventies, heaps of eighties, and yeah. then and then yeah, I don't know. I got into all the people at my school were into rap, Ice Cube, NWA, Ice T,
0: Cypress Hill,
1: yeah, all that stuff. Which I you know I didn't, m- I liked it. I I had some some of that stuff on cassette tape and. Um, but mainly I was into sort of slightly heavy music. I really got into Pantera, Metallica, White Zombie, all that sort of stuff. Oh, ah, okay. And I don't know how. I really don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I remember hearing Red Hot Chili Peppers um Suck My Kiss for the first time and just thinking, "What what is that?" Yeah. That is insane. That is and give it away. I was like it's kind of heavy but not heavy. Yeah, it was yeah, it was great. It's I very don't know. Cool. Yeah, I can't even remember who introduced me to it.
0: Yeah. Hmm. No, I, I that's actually um blood sugar sex magic that was the first album i ever bought mm. um with my own money yeah right and it was a um a, a dual um release It had uh blood sugar sex magic and plasma shaft mm-hmm. it was like an ep which had salt yep. to squeeze on it yep um and was yeah. that was that used in the conehead soundtrack
1: salt or squeeze i can't i can't remember
0: Great song. I recently watched the video clip to Soul to Squeeze mm. and it's got all the Freak Show, you know, characters in it and there are cone heads in the Freak Show. Ah, oh, then that might be what Maybe that was the connection, mm. yeah. And so
1: in high school, did you play in a band? Yeah, grade 10 was my first. I started playing guitar in grade 10, so I was 15. Sort of late bloomer. Um, and, yes, I played in a band called Simba. We were a three-piece nirvana cover band basically we yeah. played all nirvana songs and we played one offspring song called i can't remember what it was called like it wasn't like self-esteem no nah, it wasn't i couldn't sing that high no it, it was, was pretty high though but it was like yeah it was one of the one of the not so popular ones and we played smoke on the water and that was it that other was than it. that it was all nirvana songs yeah yeah we, were, we didn't were pretty pin bad.
0: any of your own tunes at that stage yeah we did yeah oh, you yeah, did
1: yeah we had three of our own but we be, you know we didn't really play them you mm-hmm. know, as as in the, we were just doing parties and stuff. So, no, that's not true, actually. We probably did play them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah I, they weren't... Re- we, were, we were all about Nirvana at the time.
0: And were you the front man?
1: Yeah, I was the front man. I was the singer and guitar player. We had a bass player called Boyd Witzman and a drummer called Jason Barwick. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did any of those guys continue with music or...? Uh,
1: n- no, not as far as I know. Yeah. Funny story about Jason I, sh- I probably shouldn't say this story, but it was pretty funny, <laughs> and he got fired for it. So, uh, one day we rocked up to his house and he had a brand new kit, like a Power Beat drum kit. A- at the time, I'm pretty sure they were about six hundred bucks. They're not much, but sure. as in you know we were grade ten, so had a lot of money to us. Hundred percent. He yeah. worked at the survey down the road, and uh, about three weeks later he got fired. And we were like, "What happened?" And he stole the money <laughs> to buy <laughs> the drum kit, <laughs> from and he the was servo, from the servo that the he worked power at. Beat. The power bit, and just bought it, and was like, and I remember we were rehearsing once, and he copped a phone call, in between, obviously the the deed and and uh, getting fired, so you yes. know, somewhere in between those two or three weeks, and he hung up and he was shaken, and he was a pretty loose dude, so I was like, that's unusual. He's like, nah, 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 t- t- no, 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 now my boss, he, no, 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 and I was like, ooh, what's happened here? And I was yeah, like, because you know, be you've got right. this brand new kit, you don't work, you know, you don't work that much, you work yeah. like three days a week or something, you know, for four hours a shift or. So that was pretty funny.
0: Oh, man, Jason, what can you do? Mm. Well, I mean, you know, the the ignorance of youth, I suppose. We'll have yeah. to chalk that one up too.
1: <laughs> My goodness. Or just the over-excitement. Uh,
0: yes, exactly. Mm. Um, how often do you get to uh, now um, actually play outside of Melbourne? I now, since
1: having the little guy, I do... When we do tours, I do basically like one or two nighters. Right. So I sort of try and do gigs. If you're talking from a touring aspect. Yeah. Like in 2016 when he was just born, I did an EP with Brooke Taylor called Love One and we toured that around. We did just Country Victoria. Uh, we played in Bright. We played in Bendigo. We played in San Remo. And Where we did you play in Bright? W- uh, Swagger Music Festival.
0: Oh yeah I've mm. heard of that one yeah, yeah yeah
1: so that was that was a great gig actually but um mm. but yeah you know it's a little way away and we just jump in the car so you know the now the now the little fella's nearly 2 it's like you know to go to go away is not that big a deal Mm. Now, but early on, it was sort of you felt you know like uh, one or two nights was fine, but sure, you know, yeah, try not to do
0: like a week or, or a month or anything like that. So yeah, uh, well, I remember when my girls were only about six months old. I si- I was, I totally regretted, I shouldn't have gone. I went to Sydney for a whole like five days, um, and that was that was pretty pretty silly. Um, and now looking back on it, um, if I could have my time again, and whenever I talk to any musicians about when they are start to having the idea of having children, I um, always say, yeah, just take a break. You know, the music mm. will always be there. Mm. Um, but you won't get that time back, yeah. no. So, um, yeah, but... And um, also, too, it's hard on
1: the partner. Oh, my God, Im- especially, I can only imagine with twins, like... Yeah. You know, that's... And then when your partner's under the weather, that then puts stress on your relationship and it's, you know, yeah.
0: It's yeah, it's not easy, man. No. Um, and that's exactly what we wrestle ri- with um, on a... You know, on a monthly, yearly basis, uh, being a, a musician that wants to play not just two, you know, ten people at the local pub. We want to get out there and play to festivals and, and different crowds. Yeah. Um, I saw some good photos
1: of you guys playing... Smoke, smokes. Uh, once again, sorry, my tongue is... No, you're right. Working. Too I've much beer, a, mate. Well, I've been up... Well, I've only had half a beer there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have been up early with the little... You got up at 5.30 this morning. Mm. And I've had him all day. But... um. Yeah Smoke Stack Rhino you guys were I saw some good photos. There yeah. Wh- which festival was that at? Uh
0: so the festival that we just played recently was called uh, Rock the Turf and that was almost in Canberra in Tumut. Oh yeah. Um and that's a uh, Yeah that's a good gig. Uh, that was our first time playing it. And um uh, there was a lot of uh, photographers just there on the day. Um, and they were sweet enough to, uh, allow us to use their, their work, um, to promote the band, um, which is always nice. Um, but yeah, that, that was, a, that was a pretty good gig. Yeah. Um, but again, that's just a weekend. Yeah. You know, you drive up on the Friday or the Saturday and then you, you're home on the Sunday. Um, it's not too bad, but when you're, you know, away for a whole week, if you're having to go to Brisbane or something like that, then it's a little bit more tricky, you know? Mm. Um, now, talking about festivals and, and gigs, uh, can you remember um, particularly any one gig that really stands in it stands out in your mind as like a really rocking show, a really good gig? That I went and saw or that I played? Oh, both. I, I meant what that you played, but maybe that you saw could be an
1: interesting question as well. Well, I don't know. Off the top of my head, one of the best gigs I've done, I'm just trying to think. I actually really enjoyed, we did a gig down in... Um, at a, a place called Alliance Francais we launched a single there with our mates um, a whale called Phoenix and that was like November last year and that was really great it was just a room capacity I think was about 80 people yep and it was like it's an old mansion it's a it's an old converted um, kitchen cool big sandstone thing so you know because we use the projections when we play and we yeah. We projected the images on the wall and, you know, they let you use candles down there so everything was sort of lit like Nirvana Unplugged yeah, sort of vibe. nice. It was a lot of fun.
0: Where Where is that place?
1: Uh, it's 51 Grey Street in St Kilda. It's oh, not so it's it is in town. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not really a um, live music venue. It's a French school, but, oh. the, but they hire the room out.
0: Oh, so you were able to get the room yeah. and put on that yep. kind of special event.
1: Yeah, and actually we, we, there were three acts. The first act was um, Jack the Fox. Right.
0: They just did it not as a band, they did it as a duo. Okay. And they were great. And because you also did a similar thing with the, um, uh, the Scrap Museum. Oh,
1: and Bakehouse, at yeah. At the Bakehouse. Yeah, that was good. That was fun. Yeah. That was a great. That was good fun. We did that with Hawker and Hall. Yeah. And that was Brooke. And that's where Brooke and I basically launched... The Love One
0: EP, right?
1: Yeah, so we that was that was a lot
0: of fun. Because I've never seen a live show there. I've I've rehearsed up in that space many times. Yeah. Um, but obviously when you go up there, you can tell that it'd be easily a live venue as well because they've got the stage set up and Mm. you know and all the that's um, a killer room. Yeah, it's a really great vibe.
1: I've got to say, the best gig I've ever seen yes. is Slayer at the Rod Laver Arena. Oh, no, it was Vodafone Arena at the time, I think. I can't remember. One of those stadium ones. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm a, I'm sort of a fan of Slayer. I've got two albums. Sure. I'm not really, I've got Divine, Inter- not Div- yeah, Divine Intervention and Diabolus in Musica. Yeah. I wouldn't call myself a diehard fan. A mate of mine's got all the albums, loves the drumming. And we went and watched it. Man, it was amazing it was awesome it was like being punched in the face (laughs) repeatedly for 45 minutes yeah right in in the best way possible sort of you walked out feeling like you'd just been in fight club
0: yeah so as a casual fan you came away from that thinking oh man this is amazing yeah Yeah,
1: but it was like a live show thing because I think what Slayer offer to me so not being a diehard fan I've got I don't think they could do anything that now that would make it's you know it's pretty sort of a bit samey. Sorry to any Slayer fans out there who sure. would be devo with that. but, um, Yeah, and I love I love what it is. So it's more the live show for me now. When they come back, I think they're coming back this year sometime. Yes. Uh, I'll definitely be going. I think it's their farewell tour, so I'll 100% go and see, see them. But there, It, it yeah. was like that.
0: It was like, oh, this is a live. I need to see this. Mm. Yeah, awesome. Because I have a similar um, story about when I s- went and saw Nine Inch Nails. Um, I'm... Certainly a fan of Nine Inch Nails, but my wife really only knew probably you know, I wanna you like an animal, yeah. yeah that one, uh, Closer, it's called. Yeah. So that was really because that was a pretty r- big radio hit back in the early '90s, late yep. '90s. Uh, so she certainly was not a fan, and we went to see them at the Metro. Oh yeah. In Melbourne, wow. which has now been bought out by someone, and it's going to be apartments Apartment. or
1: something. That would have only been like a. I think the Metro was like a. Eight hundred person. It was like the corner sort of wasn't. It, it wasn't a huge venue. Yes.
0: No, it wasn't. And that's but as
1: why in, but as in, uh, for you or me to play there, it would be. Or, you or I to play there would be oh. a huge venue. But for Nine Inch Nails, I would have thought that's a yeah, pretty small that's a venue. club venue. Yeah, it is a
0: club venue. Yeah, mm. and so they were able to put on their show because mm. if you see them at Rod Laver Arena um, or any large arena, uh, their stage show is huge. Mm. Uh, lots of lights, you know, lots of smoke machines, um, and they were able to put on just an amazing performance in that smaller setting and my wife came a lot came away from that being becoming a fan like she was like i didn't know any of the tunes but that trent Reznor he entertained me you know what i mean yeah and i think that's what uh you know you can take away from a good gig like that you know yeah Yeah. um what about your worst gig mate have you had any terrible experiences on on stage any bottles thrown at you
1: yeah i've had (laughs) mate i reckon i've had countless i could entertain well maybe entertain is the wrong word i could yeah. keep you uh stymied uh, cornered for hours on the shit gigs i've done i've done a lot of shit gigs sure we did one brooke and i did one at the golden vine in bendigo where there was there wasn't that many people there there was you know i don't know 20 odd people yeah there to see us it was a thursday night and we set up and we started playing and it was all going well and about five songs in a bus Turned up with, um, like, everyone dressed in drag and, oh. you know, screaming, you know, paro, and then coming, screaming, play horses. and, oh, and play it, that, Horses. Yeah, that was a nightmare. So, and then, gee, what's another one? We played at the Vineyard with Gretchen Lewis, and um they wanted three, I think it was three sets or two one hour sets or whatever, but sure. whatever, we didn't, we fell about, excuse me, we only had 15, 16 songs, so we fell a bit short, so we, chucked in a couple of faith no more covers yeah a couple of primus covers ah and uh it we did evidence by faith no more and great song yeah well yeah not the way we played it <laughs> so gretchen lewis for anybody that doesn't know gretchen lewis was a drums bass guitar vocal uh bass vocal keys and saxophone and we s- the bass player started the song <laughs> in the wrong key oh no. and um Everyone just sort of looked confused. Oh, I didn't really bother me. I was like, "All right, he's going yeah. a semitone uh, too high, so that's fine. I'll just go up a semitone too." Yeah. So I, and but the guitar part is, you know, probably just like chink, chink, chink. That's all fine. Yeah. And um, the keyboard player and the sax player just couldn't work <laughs> out. Could, they just really, really threw them. So they they actually just walked off stage, <laughs> oh and God. it was it was just me, me Trying and him. To sing. And, in a yeah. different key. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't so much that it was just all once that happened, it just kinda all like he, he just put his head down and the drummer was like, Oh, I'll just tap away and and without any backing, just basically bass and drums, the song yeah. doesn't you know, it it probably would translate in a jazz lounge, but sure. in in sort of a loud room like the vineyard, it was like, let's can we please get to the end of this song very quickly? Yeah. People were just standing there, going, what the fuck? Is this? Anyway,
0: <laughs> was it at the end of the set at least, or did you have another song after? I that? can't
1: remember. I just remember. I just remember the belly laughing from the keyboard player and the sax player as they stood on side stage, just laughing, <laughs> 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 just going, "This is this is this really sounds very poor."
0: Yeah. So, oh god, man. Um, yeah, no. The. I mean, I can definitely empathise with the first story you're told about, um, you know, people yelling out cover songs at you when you're trying to um, put on an original show. When people have got a lot of source in them, they don't really understand that they're not watching a, you know, a cover band. They're watching a, an artist trying to, you know, sing their, yeah. their own tunes, you know. Uh, mate, I've
1: w- I played with the drummer in Gretchen Lewis, actually, um, Ricky Evanson, who's played arena gigs touring with... Uh, he played in a band called Chimera, or Chimera, I don't know how you say it, and Soil Work or whatever, and he's done a lot of big gigs, m- metal stuff. But Sure. And uh, we actually played a wedding down the peninsula or whatever, and, and he's sitting there and he's sort of, you know, sort of shit suit that he never wears and he just busts out for a wedding, and he's, he's sort of just looking down, and I'm looking down, and it's a bit of a lull, and, you know, we're not playing, obviously. And he just sort of looks over and he goes, you know, man, he's from Sweden. I can't do a Swedish accent. He's like, if we were born in medieval times, we would be clowns. <laughs> You know, we would be <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, You'd be a bard. <laughs> yeah, we're like clowns, and I'm like, so when the people come in and they start screaming horses, they're just like dance monkey dance, and you're yes. like, what? What <laughs> do you think? Hello, man. I'm a person here. You yeah, know. I yeah. don't come to the ANZ bank and slap you with your stapler and, you know,
0: <laughs> want it, want it, can I have a go on your computer? Give me a go on your computer. Yeah. I don't do that to you.
1: No. I've always wanted to make a little skit show about it. but
0: You try to tell that to them as mm-hmm. well and, and the, the booze brain just doesn't compute. They don't no, get it, you know. No. I do remember a, a fantastic um, wedding gig, talking about weddings, wedding gigs uh, uh, on Elba Park Lake. Um, I was doing a show, uh, yeah, doing a wedding and the, um, the bride was just gorgeous, like really beautiful bride and then, you know, the, the groom, um, they, they certainly matched each other. Uh, but it wasn't the kind of person you would expect to come up to me halfway through one of the, you know, dodgy covers like Chasing Cars or something we were doing at the start of the night, you know, the dinner music. Um, she came up to me and whispered in my ear, can you play Black. By Pearl Jam. That's your favourite, man. You're Pearl
1: Jam. <laughs> I was like, like, "Can I play Black?"
0: I was like, "I could, uh, yeah, I could play Black." And Tony, my mate, who I was doing the gig with, he's like, "What did she request?" And I said, "She asked me to play Black by Pearl Jam." She's like, "He's like, you know that song?" Yeah? I'm like, "Of course." And she's like, "Play it." You know, yeah. the the um the bride has asked for it. You've got to play it. So I played it. And uh, it was it was a great little moment. And then I went up to her at the end of the night and I said, how did you know that I would be able to play that song? Because if you ask a million wedding bands, there's no way any of them would know Black by Pearl Jam. That's mm. a, that's a pretty specific tune, you mm. know. And she just said to me, just looked me straight in the eye and she goes, oh, you guys are fantastic. I knew you would know that song. Mm. <laughs> I was like, that's not how it works. Yeah. The likelihood of us knowing that tune is slim to none, you know. So um, yeah, no, it, it's it's su- it's nice when a punter surprises you. Yeah, because it doesn't happen often. No, it does not. It does not. Um, hey, how do you go about writing your songs? Um. Do they like if you do like? N- n- do the words come first, or the music, or sometimes both? Or you s- you know you're in the shower singing a little tune, you've got to rush out and write something down. Like, h- yeah. how often does it? Yeah,
1: bit of all of the above actually. But sure. I've, I've started recently. I've started the album I just put out has 13 songs on it and of the 13 songs I think I don't know half of them are co-writes so I've recently started really enjoying um co-writing with people yeah the the most the most obvious I mean I've been doing a lot of stuff with Brooke Taylor and that's got its own format of how we work uh one of the songs I wrote with her I sent her I did a lot of the mute on that EP i did a lot of the music writing and she did a lot of the lyric writing yes and uh more recently i sent a girl called ruby gill we wrote a song to the called count your blessings which is the first song on the album yes and i had chords and words um for a verse which were pretty basic it was i think it's like it's three chords Sure and and I suppose your question was more how did I ca- how did I come up with that?" but then I, s- I forwarded that to her, and then she came back with a chorus, and yep. and we sort of just chipped and you know sort of sculpted a little bit, and it, ca- it became what it came but i don 't know the process is is all of the above from what you're saying. sometimes you wake up and you go and grab your phone and do a voice memo. yeah, sometimes you'll just be doodling on the guitar and you 'll do a little progression. And you'll do... I find that's usually the best too if you can capture it <coughs> on with your voice. If you're recording something, just put the recorder on and let it sit there. Yeah. Then you'll catch the essence of something more than if you write the chords and the words down f- from learning and then forget about it and come back and then look at it the next day or the day after and you go, ah, oh, now it was GC&D and, and the words are blah, blah, blah. ah, uh, just doesn't... It doesn't have the thing that it had, and then you listen back to the tape, and you're like, "Ah, I'm holding for longer on that C before I go to the whatever." You know, yeah, like. yeah. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's th- there's no. I've got no formula. Sure. But, but, I as I get older, I get more inspired by bouncing ideas off other people.
0: Yeah. Right. Mm. Well, I find um, uh, when I'm writing a tune, uh, I used to be able to write emotionally a mm. lot better okay. um, in my 20s I felt like uh, if something was happening to me in real time I could react to it and within that day have written a song about it whereas now I feel like I have to really craft a piece of music and I have to put myself in the position of whatever emotion I'm trying to put forward mm-hmm. in the piece of uh, uh, you know in the song so um, but I think I would love to be able to ...get that kind of vibe back one day, you know, mm. uh, You know, writing emotionally, that kind of thing. But that song, Count Your Blessings, um, it really reminds me of one of my favourite artists from Canada... Um, ...a duo called Whitehorse, Horse, um, who I discovered um, in uh, New York when I was holidaying there with my wife uh, in about 2011. And um, the reason I, I make the um, comparison is because it is a male-female duo and they're kind of like a country um, act, and they have um, just beautiful harmonies, um, and their, their voices really marry just like perfectly together, and that's exactly what I hear in that Count Your Blessing songs, like your voice and Brooke's voice just work, and it's so refreshing to hear when it's clearly isn't forced, it's just like a really natural, like, oh, these guys, they can... They can sing together, and it's just awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Oh, cheers, man. No, uh, you're welcome. It's, it's
0: it's Ruby in that one. Brooke oh, does. I yeah, apologise.
1: No, no, you're right. Brooke does uh, "Autumn" and uh, "Wishing Upon a Star."
0: Oh, they have very similar voices. Yeah, 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 cool. yeah.
1: Brooke's a little bit huskier, but yeah, they do. Okay, cool. Someone, uh, I mean, uh, Ruby shared the Spotify link or something the other day, and someone wrote on hers is. Uh, no, Kobe, sorry, because co- there's another girl that has a co on there. Kobe put that, and someone confused Kobe with uh, Ruby as well. They were yeah like, right. Oh, Was that you? And then she's like, no, nah, that's not me. Yeah, I'm yeah. the other one. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> there you go. Mm. Um, the other track uh, that stood out for me when I was um, giving it a spin was obviously Simplify Me to the Villain, and the um, the verses in it, I felt like I was listening to like really old-school Mr. Bungle.
1: Oh, yeah, cool.
0: Because you obviously
1: i mean would that be a, a an influence as in those guys are musical freaks like yeah. so so but I, yes i used to i owned 3 mr bungle albums um but i would never ever try and say that oh, i've you know tried to sound like them because they're just out of this world so but but yeah that's all i'll take that as a compliment you'll take sure. that yeah but well i was but a big faith no more fan right big, i was a big fan of mike patton yeah yeah, and Mr. Bungle was like, just, I just got into it because, because of Faith yeah, my no More. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I was into Faith and More before Mr. Bungle. Yeah. And then I became one of those guys that's like, you know, f- yeah, Faith and More School, but do you know Mr. Bungle? And yeah. then and then the next step after that was Phantom Ass. Oh,
0: <laughs> Phantom Ass. I was going to say Tomahawk oh, as Tomahawk well. Tomahawk as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah, the a, dude he's a freak, had man. He got a the lot Godf- of yeah. side projects, didn't he? Yeah, and yeah. all killer. Oh, yeah. All killer. Yeah. Oh, because there was the. Um, uh, Sanchez as well, I found on the on the record, had a little bit of um, influence in that area as well. Even kind of Gretchen Lewis kind of vibe in there as well. It's well, it's a Gretchen Lewis song. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> the first
1: song I wrote for Gretchen Lewis. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because when I was listening to the album, I felt like I was listening to like a best of. Oh, yeah. Um, because I'd known these songs, but obviously that's why. It's because, you know, I've been following your career for a few years um, and... Uh, yeah, when listening to the album, that's certainly how it comes across. So that makes sense, yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, that
1: one's, yeah, that's the only, that's the Gretchen Lewis one. All the others are, of the 13 songs, there's three new ones mm. and the rest, the the and then there's 10, there's four from the first EP, one from the second EP, four from the third EP, one from the fourth EP and three brand new ones.
0: Wow. So I
1: just sort of wanted to revisit all the stuff and because I'd done four EPs in four years. Yes. And, you know, I've had a few um, premieres for, s- for videos and whatever. So I put the stuff out and it's sort of, you know, I've been happy with it. But I wanted to put it all together and go, right, this is a body of work. Yep. It's finished. Yep. And um, the reason I did the EPs was because it was that time where people were sort of like, oh, you should do an album. No, you should just keep releasing stuff. And I went down the I'm going to keep releasing, releasing stuff, stuff path. Yes. And in hindsight, I feel like... I'm just thinking this as I'm talking to you. Sure, I feel like maybe the that's not a bad vibe, but the album feels way more complete. Yes, but I didn't have that material, uh, you know, until five years of writing, so mm. or four or five years, whatever it is. So, I feel like that's not a bad tip for young people. puts Put singles out. puts You know, be be doing active mm. and.
0: And not be afraid for it to end up on an album. One yeah, day.
1: and if you do go right, this is all an album. I don't think you... Th- like to do an all old stuff release is a bit of a waste of time. Hey, sure. here's an album with ten songs on it, and there's nothing new. You've heard it all before. Yeah. Why bother? Like yeah. unless you, you know, unless you're really popular, why would you do that? Um, but if you put, you've got to have a body of new material to put with the old material, and then it gives it validity, I think. Mm. And then you know, if you're going to pay fifteen bucks or whatever for an album, you're going to pay ten for for an EP. Well. Hey, you get all the old stuff as well. It's all been remixed. Not all. There's been a few songs remixed. Sure. And the whole thing's been remastered, obviously. Nice. So all And they're all
0: recorded at different
1: places? No, nah, all with the one. Same producer, same. Yeah, so it's all, you know, it's hard for me to say because it's not, you know, because I'm so close to it. But it, I listen to the album and I'm like, yeah, that to me sounds like, you know, I guess an album as opposed to... Had I recorded and mastered everything separately with different people, mm. that's probably going to, you know, cl- obviously have a, each song's going to have its own sort of, I don't know, flavor to it. I sure. don't know. I don't know though. Because, like I said, some people might hear it and go, nah, man, that clearly sounds like a compilation album. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. No, I, I think that they definitely bleed into each other nicely and it doesn't sound like disjointed in any way. Oh, that's um, nice. It sounds um, like a, yeah, like you said, like a complete piece of work. Um, now, there's a track near the end of the album called Monkey which has got an animated film clip to it, mm. which is really awesome. It was by The Art of the Fox. Mm. Yeah, Mike Foxel. Mike Foxel? Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, that and and how that came to be? Mm. Well, there's two on there actually that he did. He
1: did "Monkey." I can't think what number track it is, but there's one either just before it or just after it. I think it's just before it called um, "Throw That Witch in the Water," and he animated a clip with that as well. Yeah, he and he also did "Burnt Out by the Light." There's three songs on the album with animated clips. He's and he's a a guy that plays in a thrash metal band um, called the neptune power federation or is it the power yeah neptune power federation sure and they he's an artist he's a musician he is a father of two i think and he just does his thing and basically i really enjoyed working with him i, s- I started working with him from seeing his video clip that he did for a band a <laughs> melbourne band called sheriff i don't know if you know those guys
0: yeah sheriff we've played with those guys yeah. they're, they're wild yeah they had
1: a song called
0: uh, what was it called
1: um God, I can't think now. Sorry. No, that's okay. Simon, Simon, something. Yeah. And I watched that clip and I was like, "Damn, man, that's cool. Yeah. That was cool animation." So is because
0: the, the character chewers of the band. Yeah. In the in the in the film clip. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Simon the Young, I think it's called. Right. Or Simon Young. Yeah. And uh, I know one of the guys in the band, uh, Tom, and I, d- I sent him a message and said, "Oh man, I really love that clip." And he said, "Look, give Mike a message," and he's a museo. And so I contacted him and. He said, for the first clip, which was Burnt Out By The Light, and he said, um, I can do something for you with that budget. It'll take me, you know, it'll be a s- massive side project. And Sure, yeah. So it took months, took ages. And then when he finally got it to me, I didn't change anything. Like, mm. And then f- for the next two clips that he did for me, I literally didn't, ch- I'd give him a slight brief. I'd go like, here's sort of a vibe of what I'm thinking. And because he's a musician, he just gets it. Yeah. Yeah, and his works, I mean, his animation works obviously fantastic, but I think because he's a musician, it's all that stuff, the feeling or the the je ne sais quoi of the clip is then at a high level as opposed to someone who's just a great animator who doesn't, you know, really understand music. Sure. Having said that, I I kind of, you know, there's a massive chance that, you know, drawing painting, art, animation, and music go hand in hand. So most animators are probably going to be pretty good with music. But I yeah. just find him to be – just for the fact that he'd send it to me and I'd be like, dude, nailed it, cool. Yeah, that's thank sick. Thank you. He'd be like, you get two changes. I'd be like, I don't need <laughs> yeah. them. They're f- they're d- it's fine, thank <laughs> You've you. You've killed it, You've relax. You've killed it, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely comes across when you watch it because uh, – It kind of reminds me of um, a lot of the stuff that Noel Fielding puts out in his artistic pursuits, you know, the guy from The Mighty Boosh. Oh, yeah. Um, Obviously, he's a comedian, but uh, they do a lot of music in their comedy. And um, if you've ever seen the show, um, there is a lot of um, art uh, throughout it. Um, And I think they've even released a book with a lot of Noel's paintings in it. Right. And um, it really reminds me of his work. But, um, yeah, no, very, very cool film clips so adventurous um and so um uh bold for a independent act like yours to release the amount of film clips that you have um in the last four years um can you tell us a little bit about obviously we've you know we've heard about the animated ones but the the live um clips or the you know live footage ones that you've done live action i should say um Uh, also always very different lots of makeup lots of lighting lots of great locations how do you um like do you work with a specific director for different ones or do you uh, do you direct them like how do they come about yeah uh, there's 13
1: i mean i've done more than that over the years but on this album there's 13 songs and 13 clips yeah there's three animations so mike basically directs those like i said i sort of I wouldn't say I'm a co director at all, but I've I, I go here's a brief outline mm. except for the one he did, which was um Throw That Witch in the Water, which I had nothing to do. He just said, I've got this idea and he basically totally directed it. Mm. Um there's a couple on there, there's there's two on there that were directed by a guy called John Frank. Where is he not even directed? He basically just put vision together. Um so he edited it. When then you know, the editor is basically, you know, just below the director really sure um i directed a few and my wife directed two of them wow so i've got a background in in telly i worked at for network 10 not that that's a you know <laughs> a huge <laughs> credential <laughs> but um you know i understand shooting and editing and yeah all that stuff that goes into it i worked f- there for 10 years and um Yeah, I I really enjoy film and good TV shows like The Sopranos and The Wire and things like that. I enjoy the marriage of um, pictures to vision. I know some people say that pictures ruin... uh, Sorry, pictures to music. Mm. I know some people say that pictures can ruin a song. And I sort of agree with that in a way. But for me, it's like this is what I see... Um, so I'm, you know, it's my project, I just go, cool, you know, I understand if you're not, not really into the pictures. Mm. None of the clips are, like, ultra, they're all really low budget, we, but they're all basically shot for nothing, yeah. except for the animations. And um,
0: But the actual quality of the vision is pretty good, so you would be using a pretty good camera.
1: Yeah, here and there, yeah. I've shot mm. some stuff on a little 550D that I've got. Right. And then I've I've got a mate who, a couple of mates who have sort of decent rigs and, um, you know, I'll wheel them, you know, in with, coax them in with, you know, beer and, <laughs> and, and dinner. And favours, <laughs> sure. favours, yeah. So yeah. I probably owe that many favours. But, um, yeah. yeah. No, the gear's good and, and I cut basically everything myself.
0: You, so you put all the editing together yourself? Yeah.
1: Actually, there's one clip on there that was directed and edited by Max Miller. I had nothing to do with that. I produced it. Yes. But um, that was another guerrilla one. We just went into a pub and shot. That was for a a song called uh, Vacant Goose. We just went into a a pub and shot the band doing their thing. And Mm. a mate of mine, there's a bit of dancing on a few of them. I've got uh, mates who are dancers, having mamas, you know, the background uh, in dancing that I have. Yes. Um, So, you know, I enjoyed that aspect as well yeah but i once again with the videos i just enjoy the collaboration right you know see wheel people in and go what do you how do you interpret this and they go here and you go great i'll just turn the camera on
0: yeah Mm. have you ever uh directed a film clip for any other acts
1: i have yep i've directed some i did yeah i did one for kobe grant recently which was um called winter bear that went viral for her wow yeah on facebook that had a couple of million views over two or three days
0: fantastic
1: or organic and then and then uh she wrote the song about a stillborn child Uh, her her, uh, some guy in sweden commissioned her to write the song she knew the guy for his grandson and uh yeah it just really touched people not the video obviously the video was is is tidy it's a fine it's an okay video but um the song you know and the performance is fantastic yeah and yeah uh, yeah i've done some stuff for mates not on the big budget end but just Mm. you know little videos for for mates who are doing their thing and yeah i wouldn't Mm. say it's um you know it's not a full-time job it's just a bit of something that i enjoy doing and if i like what the uh, people are doing and if they're just good mates or whatever then you know i enjoy sort of you know working on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly
0: wearing a different hat mm. yeah i mean i can definitely i mean i've never done any directing for um any other bands however i did direct um the last couple of uh smokestack uh video clips and the the only um video clip that pa- the pass outs ever did um for show me what it's like and leading up to the video, I, I just feel like I'm just having the time of my life. Mm, great. M- putting th- things together, like I would storyboard everything, yep. you know. Um, and, you know, I would go to work and borrow a dolly, mm. you know, so I would have a tripod and so I could get some moving shots and stuff. Um, uh, just th- those little things, the like the cherry on top kind of thing. Yeah. Because if it's all just one um shot and uh stale looking um i find like if you are at least got a few shots that where they're moving around it kind of feels a little bit more cinematic yeah um and yeah i just uh, whenever i get a chance to uh get to that part of a release obviously the songwriting and the recording that's all you know a different animal mm. but when you get to the directing and putting together a video clip. Um, I just find it so much fun Mm. because then it's something that you can share and just watch a million times and, you know, really kind of invest your time in, um, which is cool. Um, There you go, man. Right on. Well, I think we're kind of winding up here. But before we go, I did want to ask, we we did touch on uh, your touring schedule and touring life. But you, did you have any stories um, from the road that you wanted to share? Um, maybe a, a funny moment um, that you can that you can think of on top of your head.
1: From touring, gee, funny moments. Um.
0: Like for example, the other week um, we were t- doing the Canberra gig. I was talking about mm. before, and um, this is something that I do not condone. Mm. But <laughs> um, uh, I was sitting in the back of the vehicle. And I won't say which member of the band. One of the members of the band was in the front passenger seat. And um, on a a stop off to the toilet, we found a a wild apple tree. And so I see old mate picking up all these apples and putting them in his jumper. I'm like, what is he doing with those apples? And, of course, when we get back into the car and we're driving 110 miles down the highway, he sees a big road sign. He starts to piff them at the the road signs. Yeah, right. I reckon he, he piffed about... 15 of them before he even hit one (laughs) but by the time he did the whole the whole um the whole car just erupted it was fantastic and at the time i was like oh this is so juvenile and stupid what is he doing but when he actually did end up hitting a sign i just felt like i was 15 (laughs) i was like that (laughs) was awesome Yeah, yeah 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 but um there you go man um silly things on the road
1: actually yeah a uh a story was from the road that was mildly humorous was um, I did a tour with the um, Australian Chamber Orchestra, so it was all quite nice. Everything was sort of, um, you know, a bit more high-end than how I normally tour. And uh, on the bus, we'd finished a gig in New South Wales and we were driving to Canberra. But on this particular evening, uh, there was everybody was drinking, and uh, I used the toilet. Well, you're not allowed to do number two on a toilet, apparently.
0: Yeah, it's not, not cool. Yeah, well I
1: think you're not. I think, yeah, it's yeah, and... Um, Coming out of the toilet, I, th- I must have gone to lock it or something. Anyway, I've, I've gone to shut the door and it wouldn't shut. I kept pushing it just to close it. Yeah. And I wound up sort of breaking it, but it broke and, and stayed locked. So um, you couldn't get into the couldn't toilet? Couldn't get into the toilet. From
0: outside? Ah, no. Okay.
1: So all the people, all the chamber orchestra <laughs> people, you know, after about, I don't know, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, people started needing to use the toilet. Sure. And uh, it was a bit of a disaster. So needless (laughs) to say, I was probably the most unpopular man getting around. On the bus? Yeah.
0: So did the lads all just have to pile off and just, you know, wee in the trees or something?
1: Well, there was a little bit of weeing back into bottles, but I I won't name names. (laughs) (laughs) Wow,
0: that is a classy story from the road. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah,
1: none of the chamber orchestra people were doing that, by the way. That was other people no of course not yeah. no no
0: they wouldn't even have been drinking surely mm. no no way man oh that's great man well hey listen before we finish up can you tell the lovely people out there where we can find you on the internet Twitters or Instagrams what, what have you got going
1: on yeah I've got what have I got the Fa- uh, website is delsinki.com yep Facebook is go to Facebook and look at look for delsinki yes and uh, Instagram's the same delsinki Del and Sinqui. there's a YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and just type in D-E-L-S-I-N-K-I, you'll be able to see all the videos and, yeah. and
0: whatnot. And so you've rebranded From Records. You've, you've dropped that. And dropped now the records. Just Delsinki yeah. as more of a, a, a banner for the entire project.
1: Which people have sort of said to do in the past, but I just signed a publishing agreement with this guy called Roger Grierson who used to manage Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds. Sure. And he said it. So when he said it, I went, all right, okay, I'm going to take the cue. He said, (laughs) I just think you should lose the records. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, it's, you know, all the same reasons everybody else has said. Yeah. But when he said it, I was like, all right.
0: Because it sounds more like a record label.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, people do. You know, some people are like, oh, I like the records, that it's confusing, so you can't win. But Oh, yeah, right. But it is what it is. But I think I'm going with it. It's still sinking and that's that. And it's...
0: It's like um, uh, The Facebook. Yeah. It was called The Facebook, essentially, first. And then um uh, Justin Timberlake's characters st- told old mate to change it to yeah. Facebook. Lose the, the. <laughs> Lose the, the. Yeah. Yeah, so you've lost the records. That's it. No, that's cool, man. Well we can find you there and look at all of your tunes and follow your um your travels all around Australia. Uh and um and obviously through Victoria as well. Okay, cool. Well thanks for listening to The Art of Touring. This is our third episode. Hopefully we will um we'll bust out some more but again thank you Dalsinki <laughs>
1: perfect man thanks for having me Dave right on cheers
0: brother there you have it kiddies that's the end of art of touring episode 3 the podcast thanks so much for listening to this conversation if you liked it give it a give it a share why not on you know Instagram or bookface or chat snap or you know any of the things that the kids uh, use on the internets these days to share things get on one of those applications and give it a share why not you know, use the hashtag Art of touring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and give us a follow at Art of on Insta and Twitter. Also, go check out my band, Smokestack Rhino. They're on Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Twitter, even our very own website, www.smokestackrhino.com. To keep up to date with our gigs, though, give us a like on Facebook uh, where you can find all our touring dates as soon as they come in. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please do so. Email me at artoftouring at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to come on the show. If you're touring muso, uh, then please email me. I'd love to hear from you. You can listen to Art of Chewing on multiple platforms on Anchor FM, iTunes, and I'll throw it on YouTube as well. That is all for this week. Before I go, I have a few shout outs. Shout out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. As always, his work is insane. Uh, follow him on Instagram at Mr Wall. that's at Mr, spelt W-A-H-L. Big thanks to my guest this week, Delsinki, Uh, Go out there and download his album on iTunes or head on over to his Bandcamp page, which is delsinki.bandcamp.com and purchase a physical copy of the record, It Is A Corker. Now let's get into plugs. My band Smokestack Rhino are playing in Melbourne at the Spotted Mallard on May the 12th for the Meltdown Festival, alongside some amazing acts like Gay Paris, Child and Born Lion. The event starts at 2pm, Smokestack Rhino are on at 5pm, and I'll be there doing a bunch of interviews with many of the great acts during the day for future episodes of Art of Touring. Tickets are available through MoshTix. And the following week, we'll be up in Hillsville at the Herd Bar on Saturday, May the 19th. Head on over to the Smokestack Rhino Facebook page for all the details. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of Art of Touring with the Dog. Ow! ow, ow. Remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by exercise. (laughs) Just do it, man! On. On!